you're going to go do an exercise program, especially if you're getting older. I mean, I'm going to be 60 soon. You want to make sure you're doing things that are safe or do you? We're going to find out more about that on today's episode of the Movement Movement, the podcast for people who want to know the truth about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body, starting typically feet first, because you know those things are your foundation. But then we've done some gut first things and some brain first things. But anyway, you get the idea. We're going to break down the propaganda, the mythology, sometimes the outright lies you've been told about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body, to run, to walk, to play, to do yoga, CrossFit, hang out with your kids, whatever it is you like to do, and to do that enjoyably, effectively, efficiently. And did I mention enjoyably? Trick question. I know I did. Uh, because look, if you're not having a good time, do something different till you are, because you're not going to keep it up if you're not enjoying it. So I'm Stephen Sashin, your host of the podcast uh, and the CEO of ZeroShoes.com, makers of incredibly comfortable, lightweight footwear. And we call it the movement movement because we are creating a movement that involves you no obligation, really easy. I'll say more about that in a second. Uh, about natural movement, we're helping people rediscover that letting your body do what's natural is the better, obvious, healthy choice, the way we currently think about natural food. And that movement part that involves you is really easy. Go to our website, www.jointhemovementmovement.com. There's no cost for joining. You don't need to do anything. There's no secret handshake. Point is, you'll find the previous episodes, all the ways you can engage with us on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, all the places that you get podcast. You can find out if you want to pick a new one to um, hear our podcast. But the gist is share and like and review and comment, et cetera. That's how you become part of spreading the word, moving the movement movement. In short, if you want to be part of the tribe, just subscribe. So let's get started. Natalie, um, welcome. Pleasure having you here. Um, and for people who don't know or aren't watching, uh, there's a Christmas tree behind her, probably not by accident. <laughs> um, it is the season, as they say. Um, do me a favor, tell human beings who you are and what it is you do. Okay, my name's Natalie and I teach movement to um, mainly older people these days, so a broad range of people, but I'm into teaching movement in all sorts of different ways. It started with a yoga teacher training and then it morphed into a Pilates teacher training and then it went on from there. It sort of roller coastered because I'm one of those why people. I need to know why. So that's a never-ending story, isn't it? So I've done, I can't tell you how many certifications. The reason I'm here, I think, is because of feet, right? I'm a big foot fan. I'm really interested in feet. And actually, Stephen, I bought your hurrahs when you first, when they were first the self-making kit way back in the day when you first started out. So I've been actually following you for a long, long time because yeah. of my, my foot interest and um yeah, uh, look, I just say to people, I could have actually paid for a PhD in what I have actually paid for in workshops and courses because I need to know why. And um, yeah, that's just where I am right now. And I'm, I'm excited about learning and I'm, I'm, I'm constantly learning. But yeah, well, you know, I, <laughs> in a I, nutshell. There are a number of people whom I've, I've asked this question to lawyers, to doctors, to many, many other people, which is how much of what you learned in school or in your case in various classes are you still doing versus, you know, how much have you evolved and you're doing things different than that? Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what their answer is until I hear your answer. <laughs> I love that question. My first big training was a yoga teacher training. And after that, I was like, oh, yoga is the perfect movement for everybody, right? Everybody should be doing yoga because, you know, it helps us. We don't need anything else because we're moving and we're using our body weight and that's all we need. 
Then I did my main Pilates training. Then it was like, oh, Pilates is the best thing for everything, right? You don't need anything else except Pilates. And then it went on. So every big training that I did, it was the same thing. And then um, it sort of dawned on me and going, hang on a minute. (laughs) It was actually in my graduate school. I was doing a graduate program and somebody said to me, you're telling us how to move. And I'm like, you know, that's not right. Not everybody moves the same way. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting because that came from people of a non-movement background from, you know, a broad range of learning and it, the, the light bulbs went off and I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing? So then that led down the path of, you know what, maybe we need to vary things and treat the person as the individual and work on it that way. And it was, I can't remember what podcast it was, but somebody said in a podcast I was listening to, years ago if you're not horrified at what you were teaching five years ago you're not learning and i love that as well i thought well that fits my own philosophy yeah i i I would i would uh, take that down to six months so (laughs) okay you haven't found a new way of saying it in Mm. in six months something is awry it's funny actually Mm -hmm. you know i think of the number of things that i say over and over and over to explain natural movement Mm -hmm. to people and uh every time it starts to come out of my mouth i look for something to tweak, you know, some little, something that might make mm. it a little better, a little easier, a little whatever. Um, and that, that's been super fun. So would you say on a, on a percentage, so what percentage of what you're doing now from zero to hundred is based on the things that you were taught versus what you figured out? Oh, probably still around the 60 to 75% taught and good. then figured out. It's got a, it's a bit of everything because lately or the last few years, I've been learning really great things from people are saying, go and figure it out. So that's uh, part of learning. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure if that counts. If they say, go figure it out and you figure it out, that's you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. when I, when I ask this to like doctors and attorneys, they mm. often, I haven't heard anyone who said anything more than 20% of what they learned in school mm. is what they're still doing, um, mm. which I find very interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, with, with that, I was doing a, a training <laughs> called Fascial Fitness. That was actually done in Germany. And one of the things that we had to do was learn to stand up next to a wall, put your hand on the wall, and then move in all the ways you can move without moving your hand. Oh, fun. And it was really interesting because the teacher said to us, you know, just move. Don't follow me. Do what you want to do. And we were all kind of following her. And doing exactly what she was doing. It was like, get out of that box. Yeah. And when I teach that movement myself, I find people just follow exactly what I'm doing. And it's the same. It just continues. So how do we get out of that paradigm of watching the teacher or listening to the teacher and, and not just doing that, but doing what we're okay with? We well, find it hard to be really creative. Well, you know, it's so funny you say that. You, you just mm. gave me a flashback because anytime I was involved mm. in any sort of workshopy kind of thing where there was a suggestion like that, I would immediately try to do the opposite of what I thought either everyone was going to do or what they imagined. So I just had a flashback oh. to the number of times they'd say, you know, like find a way to move. And I would literally leave the room. <laughs> and that was kind of my thing. Okay. Like, you know, I mean, I would just do whatever I could think of that was going to be as extreme as I could in a different direction, because that was going to be the most interesting to me that I hadn't thought about that in a long time. So, so backing up. So we started this by saying that, you know, especially for older people, you want to be safe or should you, and I have a sneaking suspicion because you're the one who gave me the hint to say that, that you have a different idea about that, about safety. Yeah, that's a really hard one uh, because I'm so, it's so ingrained in your training, like keep people safe. What do you do? 
I was watching a class the other day and the, the teacher was getting people to do a side bend, right? bend this way, bend that way. And he said something like, no, make sure you don't bend to the side. Don't don't let yourself turn because then you could hurt yourself. And I was like, ah, <laughs> what are you saying? Why is that? I think we're conditioned to think that we've got to look after ourselves because maybe the body is a fragile thing and doing something one way, can you can injure yourself. So you need to stay safe by listening to instructions, whereas the complete opposite is the case. Like we're strong. We're, we're a, a body, a spine will, will naturally move in all the different ways. It's strong. It's not going to break because you bend forward. There's still a big belief in the, the yoga and Pilates world. It's like, how do I bend forward, right? I've had lots of people come to me. They've hurt their backs. The, the doctor has said to them, don't do any forward bends now. You can't do yoga. I'm like, how can you live your life without doing a forward bend? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you need to just sit down, you're bending forward. So how is that not safe now? I, I, yeah, I'm finding that really hard to sort of expand on that idea. But we need variability. The most important thing in our body is variability because if you stay really linear, if you keep doing the same movements over and over again and don't find varied ways to do them, well, that then could be a problem. You get stuck in that, not just your body, but your mind as well. You're reminding me of um, things like uh, the difference between using Nautilus equipment versus free weights. And mm-hmm. you know, it's not that they don't work. It's not that Nautilus doesn't work depending on what your goals are. But the whole idea with Nautilus is to just uh, isolate things as much as possible so that if you're working your biceps, you're only working your biceps. If you're working your pecs, you're only working your pecs, which is, again, depending on your goals, totally, totally fine. But to your point, you know, on the one hand, when it comes to being a functional human being, it's not that you're not developing muscles that you need for functional movement, but you're not doing, you're not applying necessarily those things uh, functionally. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have to just um, lift heavier bags of groceries to be able to lift groceries. You can get strong doing Nautilus and lift your groceries just fine. But and then, nor am I suggesting something that I find really funny. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. I love it when people say, "Well, you want to do things that are unstable because you have to work on the stabilizer muscles." And I go, "I say, can you show me a stabilizer muscle?" It's like, it's like, it's just, they're just muscles. It's like your Mm -hmm. stability is a neurological thing. You're not, there's not magic stabilizer muscles. I mean, your shoulder has a whole bunch of muscles that stabilize the shoulder, but they're not stabilizer muscles. They're just muscles. And Mm -hmm. um, that one totally cracks me up. So talk to me more about then what you're doing, like what's happening where, where people are coming to you and what do you then do with them to I mean, you're not putting them in, quote, dangerous situations, but to not stay safe and non-practical, if you will. All right. So basically, I'm not telling them you must do it this way. (laughs) You must lift up your arm here and it's got to be like right next to your ear and you've got to have a five degree angle in your elbow or or do it this. And I know teachers that still teach that way, (laughs) particularly in the Pilates field. Actually, I did an audition interview yesterday and um, the girl that was was the body on on the reformer for me was like, well, so how do I breathe? And I'm like, well, you breathe in after you breathe out and you breathe out after you breathe in. And I could see the eye rolls and I was like, oh my God, where are we right now? Just to be clear, you're actually suggesting breathing in after out and out after in that's mm. radical natalie you know yeah. most people do it the other way around and i think uh you're <laughs> going to find that if you try that especially if you breathe in through one of the holes in your face 
and then out through a hole in your face, that'll change your life. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are we doing? You know, like um, that's a huge thing actually for me lately is the breathing thing. You get people to say, especially you'll find that in yoga, like breathe in, breathe out, do this, do that. Well, we're all different people, so we all need to breathe differently, right? Mm. We need to move differently. We need to breathe differently. So let's not put people in that box and say, you need to move this way. How about we let them explore and see what it feels like? Maybe we'll say, how about you try it, putting your foot in this position and then one foot that way and one foot in that position. What does that feel like to you? Okay, let's change it. Turn one foot some slightly different way. What does that feel like? Right? Does it feel better? Does it feel worse? Like, can you experiment with it in those those parameters? Well, you know, human beings, we by and large, we like to get instructions. We like for mm. someone to tell us what to do. We like to mm-hmm. have a clear path. Basically, we're wired to imagine the preferred endpoint and then look to the past or to someone else about how to get us there reliably. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, the problem is most of the time that doesn't work. So that's a whole other story. So I'm curious, mm-hmm. two things. Um, well, let me start with this one. The first is on the one hand, yes, everyone, everyone is a unique little snowflake. On the other hand, we all have human bodies, which are mm-hmm. fundamentally the same. How do you balance those two things? Yeah, that's a hard question. How do you try and encourage people to do things in a way that feels right for them. It's like, okay, try it this way. So I'll, what I like to do is, is demonstrate and go, okay, well, say like I'm lifting my arm here. I'll, again, I'll go with the arm because I can see my arm here on the screen, right? So I can lift my arm up here. How about you try here, right? Maybe try lifting it higher. Can you lift it higher? What, what does it work? So give them options and, and maybe give them a bit of encouragement to say, you know, what does that feel right? You're doing really well. Um, well, so let me. Yeah, I, I don't know how. So for mm-hmm. people who are listening, let me describe what you did. So mm-hmm. one is, you know, if we're going to talk about lifting your arm from the side of your body to overhead, mm-hmm. so you're pointing towards the ceiling, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, there's just different angles that you can do that. And mm-hmm. of course, where my head goes is, why are we going in a straight line? Why not go in, you know, an S shape or some weird thing? Or why not Absolutely. go backwards and come mm-hmm. forward? I mean, so there are an almost infinite number of different ways. You could do that. And mm-hmm. for, in my head, what's really fun, I hadn't thought, so I'm thinking about lifting my arm and I'm lifting it at first was just basically moving my hand yeah. towards the front of my body and up. When I did the one going behind my body, it was such an odd way of getting my arm to go up that um, I actually got a little bit of a buzz from it. I mean, just like, ooh, that was exciting just because it was something so neurologically different. And so that's, you know, and then let your hand do snaky shapes to get there. I mean, so fundamentally, the same thing is, you know, we can get our arm uh, into a position where our hand is pointing towards the ceiling, but there's an infinite number of ways of getting there, which is a, mm-hmm. an interesting way of, of putting it. So, or maybe you can't, or maybe you can't oh. lift your arm up and touch the ceiling. That's the thing. You might not be able to mm. do it. So, so maybe you're reaching out towards your TV, or maybe you're reaching into the kitchen, or maybe you're reaching, I'm thinking where I am, or your balcony, right, across your body. What's that like? Is that normal to you? What can you do? And then what we're doing is we're, we're letting our brain know that it's safe. There's that word again, right, that it's safe to move. And then maybe it can go, well, actually, well, that feels okay. Maybe I can move a little bit more from there. So it's just a constant exploration. And, and what we want to do is, is explore and get curious about our own bodies. And the more we move and the more that we explore, the more we're able to get a, a sense of what's going on and then maybe get a little bit more confidence and be able to move 
more or differently from there. So I like that distinction mm. about safety, which is it's not that we're trying to you're trying to put people in unsafe mm. positions or doing unsafe movements, but that what we find is that human beings get locked in. Well, there's two aspects. One is we tend mm. to get locked into patterns that are familiar, often because we are worried about extending, you know, in either direction uh, past what's familiar. And the other is um, people who are teaching. Mm who maybe, well, for various reasons, are doing something similar where they want to keep people in a specific plane of motion because, frankly, they're trying to be safe. They don't want somebody to do something where they might possibly have an experience that the teacher doesn't want, like, you know, mm-hmm. hey, that hurt or hey, I didn't like it. Um, and so mm-hmm. they're, they're limiting, they're constraining the, the clients for their, in a way, their own psychological safety or their own financial safety is what it sounds like. Yeah, well, you just touch on something interesting where people want to do what the teacher wants. Like, right. am I doing it right for you? Well, where's that that personal, where's that agency? Where's that sense of personal responsibility? <laughs> when, when, I'm, when I'm teaching Pilates, uh, we do like sometimes, it's like, okay, we're going to do 10 repetitions of this, so we're going to do 10 of that, and I'll have a, a room full of people there. And I'm like thinking about what I'm going to do next or like, you know, or looking around the room, what, what are people doing? What cues can I give them? And I'll say, well, how many have you done? And I could have 20 people in the room and like no, everyone's like, I don't know. <laughs> well, who's going to start counting? Do you want me to count for you? you right. know? They want me to tell them what to do. And I'm trying to say, well, actually, we're going to keep going until somebody tells me that you get to 10. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Again, you know, we like now I I will confess that personally, there's things that I, there's a, um, I like, I I like having a workout where it is um, constrained to a certain extent because then I do know what I'm doing, but then I like messing around with it. So like, I'll tell you the thing I'm doing lately. I'm doing a workout where the idea is um, you'll take an exercise. You could do say 20 reps with, let's say bench press. And then you do three reps or as many reps as you can do in five seconds. And you want to go for speed and then you rest for 30 seconds. And then you repeat this like 30 times. And so I like it because it's very contained, which I need at this point, because my schedule is just so busy that I, that psychologically, that's very helpful to know I'm going to do this 18 minute thing. And then maybe I throw in something before or after, if I'm, you know, depending on what time of the evening it is, but then I mess around with the exercises. So I'm like every week, it's like, okay, I know I'm going to do something with my legs, something that's a pushing exercise, something that's a pulling exercise. What do I want to do that's unusual? What do I want to do that's fun? Maybe I'll do rope climbing. Maybe I'll do, you know, push-ups on rings or between chairs or it's like so that's the 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 fun experimental part, but having the container if you will, um is just helpful for my current lifestyle. So, mm-hmm. um so it's an interesting balance there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we all need that in some respect. You've got something that you're, it's going to give you a goal. It's going to make you feel good that I've just done that particular movement, but then have a little bit of a play out of there. And I do the same thing like Pilates is coming back to me again because I, there's in, I don't know how familiar you are with Pilates, Pilates exercises. Oh, wait, hey, well, let, me, but... let, me, let me answer that. <laughs> so I spent uh, 20 plus years in Boulder, Colorado, where mm. my joke is you can't uh, throw a tantrum without hitting a therapist, usually a Pilates <laughs> therapist. Oh, wow. We say that yoga here, right? You know, every person oh my God, a yoga teacher over here. <laughs> yeah. Well, so there's like the, the, the classical order as per like going back, like not thousands of years, but decades in this case that if you do the same exercises in a, in a certain way, 
right? right? That's the way you do it. That's the way they set up to get the best out of your body to do them. So pretty much I teach a variation of that. I, I teach some sort of order of yeah. the same kind of exercises. I like to change them around. So we're still doing something basic. So people come and they've got an idea of that's what they're going to do in class. But let's add some rotations this week. No, last week I had a theme. It was like twisting. So this week's going to put twisting into everything that we do. Right. This week my theme is um slip and slide. We're going to slide on the floor, right? <laughs> on blankets or, or whatever else. So so there's the same kind of thing, but with variation. And to make it fun, I, I think you, you say that you want to have fun with what you're doing. Well, that's yeah. that's one of my main values, I think, to have fun or, or why why are we doing it? There's no point. Yeah, you gave me a funny flashback. A friend of mine is a very big deal Zen teacher, and he was doing a meditation program in Santa Fe, and they wanted to do walking meditation, but there was this like very tiny room, so he, they couldn't do it the way it was normally done, and he figured out a way that they could do this practice in this you know weird setup. And he comes back to that group like five years later in a completely different situation where they had plenty of room to do whatever they were wanting. And they were still like walking in this weird pattern. <laughs> and he said, um, why, why are you doing that? They go, well, that's the way uh, the Buddha originally taught people. He goes, no, no, no. I made that up five years ago because we were in a tiny little room and they went, oh, no, no, you can look in the scriptures and you can find it's like, and he literally couldn't convince his own students that he had made something up for a unique situation, um, which I thought was utterly, utterly brilliant. Um, I want to back up a giant, giant step to basically what I often do at the beginning of these conversations. And I didn't do it then, especially, this is especially relevant for you, I think. Can you think of a movement thing that people who are listening to this now or watching this more listening could do to get a an embodied sense of the kind of thing that happens when they're hanging out with you? Yeah, that's easy. Sit on the floor. (laughs) For people who are driving, that would be challenging unless they're they're driving a Flintstone mobile and, you know, make sure you're not moving because otherwise you'll be using your butt as a brake, which I don't recommend. Not from personal experience. I'm just hypothecating. So say more about that answer though. Okay, well, well, if you're driving, let's just think about how you can move your pelvis. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right. We're, we're talking right about the center of the body. So many people don't have that ability to move their pelvis because they they spend their lives sitting in chairs. Right, so a chair puts your body into a chair shaped position, which generally is your pelvis is tilted backwards or your tail is tucked under. So you're not sitting on what we call the sitting bones, right, Um, the bones underneath. You're sitting on the fleshy part of your bottom and your tail's tucked under and there's this, we could go into lectures about that, but we're not going to right now. So a lot of people can't get out of that tucked back sitting position. So if you're driving in your car, do the best you can to try and get out of that tucked position because that's pretty much where you're going to be right now and sit on up nice and tall. Mm. right or try and get yourself on top of those bones and then well maybe you could even tilt forward roll forward off them which is going to be pretty much impossible for a lot of people but but coming back to sitting on the floor that's all part and parcel of that how do you sit most people spend their lives sitting in chairs or they're watching netflix on their comfortable sofa and you can get in onto your sofa and you can sit in that position for hours What's the latest thing that you've binged on Netflix, right? Um, especially during COVID. Look, I'm in Melbourne. We're the most locked down city in the entire world. Yeah. At 280 days or something or other of being locked down. Um, so people are spending a lot of time on TV and they're spending a lot of time sitting down. You can be there and you can not move for literally hours at a time. But if you're sitting on the floor, 
like you're not going to be comfortable for the most part, right? Mm. Especially if, you, if you're from a Western society. So you're going, going to constantly have to move positions. I'm sitting on the floor right now. So I'm like, okay, that's uncomfortable. I'm going to move my legs in this, this position. I'm going to move somewhere else. I'm going to change. And there's your variability of movement. There's your natural movement right there just by taking it down to the floor. No, this is brilliant. Um, uh, Harvard's Daniel Lieberman, who was one of the guys who basically kicked off the nap, the barefoot running movement mm-hmm. with a study that he did um, showing that habitual barefoot runners, when they put on shoes, suddenly have form that puts force right into their joints. And if they're barefoot, they don't have that um, and other things as well. But he has a book that came out a little while ago called Exercised. And the one of the first myths that he breaks down is sitting as the new smoking. And what he says is, well, kind of. It's what you just said, is if you're just immobile in a posturally bad position, that's one thing. But if you look at um, indigenous tribes, they spend more time sitting than we do. It's just that they don't just sit in a single position. They sit in many positions. They move around. They'll get up a little bit. They you know go grab a kid and then come back down. But fundamentally, they're spending a lot of time sitting and lying, just never static. True. Well, the same goes like people are like, oh, sitting is the new smoking. So let's get a standing desk. And let's right. stand up all day and we'll be still, right? Right. you know, we're not going to move. Or, well, it's the same thing, isn't it? You're not well, moving there. You're not getting the variation. Unless you have like a, a topo mat. I think I've heard you say on another podcast that you're friends with a topo guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I'm, I'm friends with a lot of guys. Well, you know, hey, look, <laughs> for people for people who uh, are watching, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show this. The, the chair that I'm sitting on right now looks like this. So mm-hmm. it's basically a ball with a, a padded tray on top of it, and it's totally unstable. So you're constantly, first of all, it puts you in a position where you have to sit on your sits bones. I mean, if you don't, you can not, but by and large, that's the place where it's most comfortable. Um, and then you're moving continually, which is really fun. And um, it's called a, a core 360, QOR 360. Um, I've done a review. Of it. Anyway, it's super fun um, and very weird. People look at you strangely. But I, this is going to, speaking of weird things, something you said that I never thought of before. I don't know why we refer to our butt as our bottom because our feet are our bottom. That's a good question. I've never thought of it either. <laughs> Nor I. And I'm going to look that one up and see if I can figure out where that started. That, that makes no sense. So, well, it does when you're sitting on it, doesn't it? Yeah. But even when you're sitting on it, if you're sitting in a chair, your feet are still probably lower. So unless you're sitting on the ground, mm-hmm. when then you've got a whole lot of things that are your bottom. So something is something's very wrong. I think we need to, I think we need, this will be our new mission in life is to change that terminology. So, so, all right. So <laughs> what do you want to call it? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, you know, butt's always a good one, but I don't even know why we do that. That's a weird one too. Mm. Just, you know, you can say your glutes, you can sit on your glutes. And then, then the question yeah. is, are you sitting on your, your, your glute maximus? Are you sitting on your medius? Are you sitting on the minimus? So this could go in very mm. bad directions. Yeah. Um, yeah. But see, I think actually, you've actually said it, you've taught talking about like muscles, about how muscles move. Well, we're kind of forgetting about the the fascia or the connective tissue, aren't we? <laughs> you know, yeah. It's 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 like not just muscles. And I think people have been trained to, and we all have been trained to to look at the muscles and how do the muscles work and how do they move the body. But what about the connective tissue? It has been seen for many years as some sort of filler or some sort of packing, but it's a huge sensory organ. And it connects the whole body. It's like interwoven in, in between the muscles and the tendons. It's all part of it. So we're, we're moving from there too. We can't sort of move without our connective tissue. So since yeah. most people have no 
I mean, what you just introduced the concept of the fascial system, and it is mm. like this sheath of material that's that that surrounds and penetrates muscles, ligaments, and tendons. Mm. Some people that may be news to them. Can you think of any way of giving them, other than just the concept of that, some experience of what that means to engage with your fascial system? Yeah, yeah. Think about it. It's um, because it's all encompassing and it's everywhere in our body. Right? When we move one part of our body, the rest of the body will be affected by that movement. Mm. Think about like the T-shirt that you're wearing. If you pull on the T-shirt, uh, in the neck of your T-shirt, right, the bottom of your T-shirt will lift up as well at the same time. Right. So that's how your body works, too. It's not just I'm working my bicep here. There's this uh, idea of reciprocal inhibition that mm -hmm. was making the rounds for a long time. If you're using your bicep, your tricep is switching off. Well, you know, I'm sure you know, and, and most people hopefully know these days that, that they're both working at the same time. Oh, my God. Right? Sorry. Yeah, you just one gave me no, you just mm -hmm. gave me kind of a flashback. So first of all, let, let me highlight that. And sorry for interrupting. So you're doing a bicep curl. And yes, mm -hmm. the muscle, the tricep muscle is not active, but you are stretching the fascia on the back mm. of your arm. Um, but, I mean, but it is active. The tricep is active. It's not inactive. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so here's <laughs> yeah. the thing that occurred to me. So I did, mm. so my, you know, that crazy, that five second on 30 second off workout. I did a very, I was doing mm -hmm. a variation of that before um, where, well, here, mm. I'll describe it. You do three reps, rest for 10 seconds, do three reps. And when you can't do three, you do two. When you can't do two, you do one. Mm. One's a little hard. You just go do, start at three again with 20 seconds of rest and you just work okay. your way down. So, and this takes like 40 minutes and I was doing bench press, which most people think of as a tricep and chest exercise. And I was mm. stunned to see that when I was done, my biceps were totally pumped up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, Absolutely. <laughs> and, but again, this is something that most people, when they think about working a muscle, mm. all, well, if mm. I'm working my bicep, I'm not working my tricep and vice versa. But mm -hmm. so just to highlight this, basically in, in large part because of the fascial system, that ain't the way it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not just the fascial system. It's the, the, the muscle just work that way. Like all of your muscles are working all of the time. How's that for a novel concept? Interesting. They're all okay. working all let's the dive, time. Let's dive into that then. So mm. if I'm if I'm here, I'm pushing my my hand against my head so I can contract my bicep. Um, mm -hmm. So if I feel my tricep, it's mostly relaxed. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about what it's doing when I mean the reciprocal inhibition thing. Talk to me about mm. that when I'm feeling right now like tension in my bicep, relaxation in my tricep. And by the way, if anyone's watching this, looks this looks really stupid. So. <laughs> Yeah, but it but it's working. It's not not working. Okay, so do that again. Do that okay. exercise. Right, put your hand on your triceps. Right, put okay. right, reach your arm out in front of you. Yeah. and hold on to your tricep. Right, yeah. feel your tricep. Now bend your elbow and put your hand on your head. You so, felt the tricep moving, didn't you? It was. It's not like doing nothing. It's moving. No, even it's more. Actually yeah, it's actually It's moving. Mm -hmm. It's also the and it's changing. So like. When I have my mm -hmm. arm fully extended, so my arm is parallel mm -hmm. to the ground, palm is up. If I flex mm -hmm. a little bit, then I feel tension in my tricep. And then mm -hmm. as I relax and just start bending my elbow, so I'm getting my going to end up with mm -hmm. my hand on my forehead, it changes. But also it goes like in about the middle of the range when my arm's about 90 degrees, it's pretty relaxed. And then once I get past there, there's tension, but in a different part of the tricep. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so you've got your concentric contraction, right, when it's getting shorter, and your yeah. eccentric contraction when yeah, yeah. it's getting. Well, hang on, I've got that round. No, the, the eccentric right contraction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they're always all working all the time. And you think about, okay, well, oh, I'm relaxing the rest of my body because I'm sitting down. Well, how is your body upright if your muscles are not working? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. Th- things are turning on mm. and off into degrees, but not the mm. way think of. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So here, here's a wacky question for you. Why do people come and see you? And what do you say if someone comes? Well, first of all, what inspires them to come? And if they ask you some crazy question, like, you know, why should I give you any money and hang out with you? What do you tell them? What are you offering, promising, suggesting to deal with the reason that they say they're coming? That makes sense? Okay. Yes, it absolutely makes sense. And and my reason that I say to them, well, we need to keep moving and we want to keep ourselves functional and moving so we can stay active and stay out of the um, retirement village or whatever it is that we yeah. want to do. We, we want to build strength. Yeah. We want to be able to be active and healthy throughout our entire lives. We want a fulfilling life that that we can do all the things that we need to do and not rely on other people. So my movements are all based around that. It's like getting people moving and getting them doing things that are going to help them in what they're doing in their daily lives. And so since this week is about sliding, um, talk to me about (laughs) what that time with you, that class, excuse me, I got the hiccups, um, will look like. It wasn't going to be. It was supposed to be push and pull week, right? <laughs> My partner sends out the emails and I'm like, it's going to be push and pull week. Let's be like more functional. And I looked at the email he sent out last night. And it's called slip sliding week. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I only just found that out. How's that going to work? Yeah, okay. so we're well, you going can, to... <laughs> you, you can pretend that, that the email went out correctly and it's push and pull week. Either way, I'm just trying to give people a sense of, of you know, what it's like to, to actually work with you. All right. Um, so I'm just putting basic movements together where I can lie. I'll go, I'll stick with the sliding principle. So if you have carpet, you you'll need something plastic or paper plates or something like that. If you have a wooden floor or tiles or whatever on the floor, you just need a towel or a blanket. So what we're going to do is use the, the floor as a resistance tool. Mm. So for me, right, a good example, if you were standing up and one foot was on your floor and one foot was on your sliding, whatever it is that you have, just slide that foot out in all directions. You might slide it out to the side so your feet go wider apart from each other. And then what do you have to do to bring your feet back together again? Right, There's resistance right there. That could yeah, be yes. super hard. Right? Can we do it with bent knees? Can we do it with straight legs? then maybe you slide your foot out in front, then maybe behind, maybe across your body, right? So so variations of the theme. So with your feet or on your hands and knees or slide your hands out. Yeah, that kind of thing. So instead of like doing a push-up, maybe we'll slide out towards a push-up and then slide back in again. Yeah. It can be a lot of fun and it can also be very hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm having, again, flashbacks. You're giving me more flashbacks than I normally have of... of- <laughs> of just dancing and doing a similar thing of like mm. doing the splits and pulling your feet back in to stand back up. And there was always mm. just that, that thing of having to match your shoes to the surface so that you get the right amount of tension, the right mm. amount of slide. So if we were doing, if we were in fact doing push pull, what would be different then? Um, well, maybe the tools that we're using, 
So, yeah, that's a hard one because now I'm not thinking about that one either. (laughs) (laughs) An hour before class, what am I going to do today? I was going to be using a stick. I haven't got one handy. I've got a pen here. So maybe I can just hold my pen out, my stick out in front of me and push my hands into it Mm. and do a movement. Maybe I'm going to do a roll-up like I'm lying down on the floor and I'm going to push my hands together to roll myself up, right? And then let's try it by pulling that stick apart. What Good does that feel like if I yeah, you got a pen too? Pop a cap if you pull it apart and roll up and down rather than push, or even as simple as what you're doing now, lifting your arms overhead, yeah, yeah, pushing yeah. your hands together, pulling it apart. Yeah, that type of thing built into lots of different types of exercises. Oh, this is super interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, basically, it's sort of a that that was kind of a moving isometric kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That, that um, yeah. That what's interesting for me when I did it, and, and again, pull, pushing my hand. I'm holding a pen. Pushing my hands in was interesting, and pulling them apart. I just took the cap off the pen, uh, which <laughs> apparently I'm super strong, um, which mm. enabled me to do that. But um, but that was really interesting because I just felt my shoulders and back working in ways that I otherwise. I don't, you know, you wouldn't feel it because you've never done that thing of mm-hmm. your hands together while moving them overhead or sideways. Again, just finding other yeah. directions. That's yeah, all of that. You know, my favorite then, part about that is not only was it just, it, it was instantly interesting. It was in- instantly mm, compelling to, because it was so unusual that um, there was a kind of just fun, meditative, not like, you know, Zen out meditation, but just, it turns your attention inward automatically in a way that's kind of playful, very interesting, kind of compelling. Um, so I, I'm loving that. I'm just going to be doing that for the rest of the day, I think. Well, let, let's hone it in a little bit more. Okay. In, and okay. when, you, when you grip onto something, what happens if you just grip more with your little finger and your second ah. finger? Right? You can push and pull that way with more pressure on the, the little finger side of your hand. Ah. And then what about if you just press squeeze more with your thumb and your index finger, say? So just the different pressure in your hands, that's going to give you a different experience as well. This is literally reminding me of my first barefoot run where I was just so entranced by playing with different experiences. How do I, you know, where do I land on my foot? Am I moving my legs faster or slower while I run the same speed or faster or slower? It's that same kind of thing that just is so, it's like, it's so interesting because you've never paid attention to that before, never done that yeah. simple, weird little thing. And it's like, oh, fascinating. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Come we on. sometimes forget about the smaller movements in, you know, instead of the, the bigger movements, we get all involved about the bigger or the more complex movements. How can I make this more challenging? What am I going to do? I used to have a, a gym I used to work in. We had a, a personal trainer and we'd always laugh at him because you'd see his clients balancing on a BOSU with like a TheraBand attached to one foot and one hand and maybe holding onto a pole or something in this arm doing something else. And we're like, <laughs> it was making it more and more and more complex. Thinking yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Whereas sometimes we need to break it back down again, bring it right back and, and then work on those little things. I mean, there's a place for all of them. This, this is actually going out back to the people who might be listening to this while driving. Um, just with your hands on the steering wheel, grip, grip with your first finger and your thumb and, you know, change lanes safely um, or, you know, grip with your pinky and your, your ring finger and just see what, I mean, just doing that alone would I imagine be very interesting um, and hopefully not so interesting that you miss an exit or, you know, crash into somebody. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be a good thing <laughs> at all. Yeah. 
So um, is there anything you can think of that we left out that you want to share with human beings? Hang on, I've got some little notes here. Let's have a look. Yeah. Oh, notes, holy crap. I so. No, I know, I know. I just want to... <laughs> I've been doing these. I, I do. The reason I'm here is I, I, I've been was sort of um, asked to do it by a company that I'm doing lots of classes for. It's called Get Set Up, which is a community of older adults learning. It's a learning platform online. And I was doing a um, walking tour of Melbourne, the city that I live in, right? So I was getting my phone out and I was walking around Melbourne, like, like videoing everything and trying to talk about things, thinking I can make this really fun and interesting and exciting because, like, I love my city and I know so much about it. I'd get out there and I couldn't think of anything I wanted to say. I'd come home and I'd look at my notes <laughs> and I'd go, oh, I didn't say this and this and this and this. And I'm like, that was so crap. I'm not surprised I only had a few people left at the end of that hour. But anyway. That's hysterical. All right. Well, I will let you check the notes that I did not ask you to make. And I'm stunned that you feel like you need notes. No, I, I, I only wrote a couple, so I didn't, well, I didn't do it. Well, then, here, let, then let me ask you a question. So especially working with older people, what do you see mm. as the, I mean, what do you see as the primary challenge that they're dealing with and, and talk about the changes that you see them experiencing mm. over time. I mean, just, you know, older populations are very interesting aside from the fact that we're all getting older. Um, they're people who are getting older now, or let's say, say it this way. So I'm about to turn 60. And so I at 60 now am a completely different human being than my father was at 60. And, and so I imagine similar thing, the people who are 80 now, when we become 80, I imagine mm. hope that we, we may be very different. Um, but what are you seeing and what's the experience that they seem to be having when they're doing this work with you? Yeah, that, that's interesting you say that about a completely different person. Um, I'm 55. My mum's in her 80s. When she was 65, she got on a plane and flew to Beijing to spend the next two years in the sports university over there learning Tai Chi. Wow. And then has been teaching like 20 or so Tai Chi classes every week for the last 20 years or so now, uh, except just recently she's given that up. But um, uh, so I have that example to live by. And when I was teaching in-person classes prior to the whole COVID thing, I was only doing it here in this country in Australia. And yeah. basically I was making people get down onto the floor. Right? <laughs> we're doing this class and we're going to be on the floor, on the mat, right? And if you couldn't do that, well, you basically wouldn't come to class with me. But, but the people in the gym where I was working would do that. Then I've transferred to doing most of my stuff online yeah. and, and then working for, for Get Set Up and working with now an international audience and I found that a lot of people can't get down onto the floor. Mm. Like they're scared about getting down to the floor because they think if they get there, they can't get back get up, up again, especially if they're living at home alone. And that's a real concern. So my aim is now, and I, I've had to learn to teach you know, on a chair, which mm. for me, because like I said, I was always making people get onto the floor. So how do I adapt these exercises to do the same thing but do it on a chair? But my intention is to get those people out of the chair so and back down onto the floor yeah. and get more confident about doing it. And I think that's the biggest thing is, is that lack of confidence about their body being strong and capable and being able to adapt and get stronger again, even though they're getting older. Right. I think we're maybe conditioned to believe that it is a, a downhill process once we get older and inevitably things are going to fall apart. And we have this, this wear and tear sort of syndrome on our bodies and 
how many times do I hear people say, oh, I've got these issues in my knee. It's like bone on bone. And that's what they're told. They're told by their doctors or they're told by their, their therapists that, that this is not curable. You're old and it's not going to get any better and we have to operate. But I believe that it's a lot to do with what you're thinking, how, what your outlook is, who you're hanging around with. Are you buying into that whole, I'm getting older, I'm going to get worse, it's going to, it's all downhill from here? Or can you buy into that concept of like, no, there's a lot I can do and I might not be able to move like I was when I was in my 20s or my 30s, but I can still move and I can still be effective and I can still be active and I can still be doing the things that I want to do um, throughout my entire life. I'm working in that concept. I don't want to be, you know, a dribbling mess somewhere that somebody has to look after. I mean, you know, um, yeah, I, I... I'm just really confident that people can get out there and, and do things to improve their lives when it comes to movement. If you want to get inspired, uh, go find a master's track meet, especially like a national mm. or international meet where you see all these people in their eighties plus, and yes, they're not running like they're in their thirties. They're yeah. out and running. In fact, when 13 years ago or so in Finland for the world master's track and field championships, there was a guy who was 101 and he did the field events. So he came out on his walker and then he hand, they handed him the shot put and it was, maybe it was for at that age, it's like five pounds. Um, and then it's like, Ugh! and he heaves it like 10 feet and the crowd goes insane because everyone's thinking, <laughs> I just want to be that guy. And you know, yeah. you can, and then, you know, they hand him the javelin. It goes mm-hmm. like 10 and the crowd goes nuts. Um, yeah. And, you know, so yeah, it's like the, the thing of just doing as much as you can because um, it's not going to be the same. I remember Jack LaLanne when he was, 90 or so uh, they were interviewing him and he was, he helped invent the universal gym. And so they have him on a universal gym and he's bench pressing and he's like putting out a lot of effort. And I looked very carefully. You could see he was only lifting 20 pounds, but he was working it. He was doing the most that he could and just still staying active, which was, so that's the inspirational part that that you just alluded to. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's keeping up the intensity. And even if the intensity is at a lower weight, yeah. you still have that intensity and that's what we're looking for. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So and, and people like that are inspiring. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I, they, I think they've had like people in their hundreds running like a hundred, hundred meters or whatever. There's a woman who's 105 who just set uh, mm. the, the record because there's never been someone, a female 105 <laughs> who ran the hundred at almost 60. Um, I can tell you, it's sort of annoying. I've gone from being invisible, like in my fifties, no one paid any attention. And now mm. that I'm almost 60, it's like people in their thirties come up and they tell me I'm an inspiration. And then I punch them. <laughs> yeah. right. Talk, talk, talk to me when I'm 70. I'm okay being yeah. 70, not at 60. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I figure I might take up running when I'm 80 or something or other. I don't, I'm yeah. not a runner. I don't like to run at all, but I'm thinking, yeah, well, then maybe I can set some records or something. That'll be fine. Well, that's pretty much what all the master's athletes think is I just need to outlive my competition. So <laughs> that's, that's my goal. Like, Perfect. Yeah, I, I reached out to a friend of mine who's uh, 63 or 64 and asked him if he was going to be at the Worlds. It's in Finland again. And he said, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, he asked me if I'm going. I said, I just want to see if you're willing to pull me around a four by 100 meter relay because um, he's like one of the fastest guys in the world. And I'm like, you know, the 15th fastest guy in the country. So at the Worlds, eh, but in a relay, you know, I just need to hold my own and he'll be able to do the heavy lifting. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's excellent. It's a way to be. Yeah. yeah. Goals, goals, life goals. They're um, yeah. There's plenty of them out there. I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to get a medal in uh, in the individual hundred meters. There's, there's a bunch of guys who are just. I mean, I'm a genetic freak as it is, but these guys make me look like I've never put on a pair of running shoes. There, there's some guys who, I mean, this guy in particular that I'm thinking of, um, he beats people who are. 25, 30 years younger than him. I can only beat people about 10 years younger than me. (laughs) Yeah, but you could outlive him. Uh, You know, it's an interesting point. Power athletes in general don't live as long. And so it's possible. We'll see. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've come to grips with that one. But anyway, we don't need to talk about my mortality. So Natalie, if people want to get in touch with you and find out more about what you've been up to, and now that you're teaching classes online, participate in that as well, how do they find Mm -hmm. you? Okay, so online worldwide, getsetup.org. So we can so spell, spell that for humans. Oh, get, G-E-T-S-E-T-U-P um, dot O-R-G. Uh, it's an online learning prep platform for over 55. So you've got to be old to be older to be on that one. <laughs> um, but you can just pop my name, Natalie, into the search box and you'll find me there. Or I'm also at wellaligned.com. Um, au i think yeah, well, <laughs> we used to be wellalignedbody.com.au that's too much so wellaligned.com.au <laughs> well um it's been a total total pleasure and um uh, i'm really looking forward to what's next and we'll have more conversations but so thank you thank you very much um and thank you for i don't know what time is it my god did you get up at some ungodly hour of the morning no. No, no, no. I did get up a bit earlier, but it is now 8.39 a.m. Okay. So well, it's fine. Late. Yeah. The sun's up. It's, it's summer. The sun's up at 5.30 or something these days. So Yeah. We are obviously the opposite where it's pitch black mm-hmm. at 4.30 in the afternoon, which I find completely unacceptable. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I say bring on summer. Looking forward to it. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. So for everyone else, thank you for joining Natalie and me. Yeah. Um, and again, a reminder, Go over to www.jointhemovementmovement.com, find all the previous episodes, and of which there are quite a few, um, and all the ways you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, et cetera. And again, like and share and give us a thumbs up, hit the bell icon on YouTube if you're on YouTube. Um, and if you have any recommendations or questions, people you think that should be on the show, uh, including people who think I have a case of rectal cranial reorientation syndrome. I've never had a, been able to have a conversation with someone who thinks I have my head totally at my butt, but I would love to. And Or anything else you can think of, you can email me at move at jointhemovementmovement.com. But most importantly, go out, have fun, and live life feet first. <laughs>